0: So many times, moments just like this help us regain perspective and maybe focus a little bit more clearly. How many know sometimes we can get distracted? Amen. But in moments like this where His presence is so rich and so real, it, uh, it draws us back in and it, it kind of helps us, uh, again, just refocus where we, we need to be. Over the last couple of years... We have tried to cultivate a culture of simplicity. Uh, now, that is not to say that we have tried to dilute the Word of God. I don't believe that we do that. I believe that we, we try our very best uh, to make sure that we are preaching the Word of God in truth. Um, so when I say that, I don't mean that we're trying to water down the gospel or anything uh, of, of like nature, but I... I What we found was that there was a little, there were some distractions, misunderstandings, and some questions surrounding who we are to be as individual Christ followers, as well as who we were to be as a local expression of the body of Christ as life Christian center. And so again, we've tried to cultivate a culture of simplicity. I am a very simplistic individual. If you don't know that about me, you haven't gotten to know me then, all right? Uh, I am not a great theologian. I am just a simple shepherd, all right? And, uh, and God does what he does through that, okay? But uh, so we have, again, tried to make sure that we understand that we are to experience an ever-growing relationship with God individually. How many knows that we should individually be working on that every single day of our life? Amen. But we've also tried to simplify things so that we can understand how to better edify and equip the church, the body of Christ, us, who are here, not only in this physical building this morning, but even joining us uh, online in the various places uh, throughout the city, the county, and other states, all right? And so we've also tried to simplify the fact that at the same time, we are to engage and impact our community and the harvest fields thereof. How many of us know it's not just about us individually, it's not just about us as a body, it's about the whole entire picture, all right? It's us, it's the body, it's the kingdom of God, it's the world around us. So, and again, in trying to cultivate that uh, culture of simplicity, if you will. We have very much simplified our vision and our core objectives. Some of you may remember them. Some of you may have just set them to the side, and that's fine. This morning, I felt like I needed to uh, kind of remind you of those things as we got into where I believe the Lord was leading me for this morning. Again, our vision is simple. It is to live, to grow, and to serve. All right, say that with me. Live, his serve, all right? In each of these areas, our goal is to respond intentionally, relationally, and missionally. We want to live for God on purpose. We want to grow in God relationally, right? And we want to also serve God missionally. How many of us, again, it's not just about us, our for and no more. There's a whole kingdom that he has established that we need to be working within. Amen? That leads us to our core objectives. And for me, they are super simple, all right? Number one, we are to win the lost. Everybody say, win the lost. Number two, disciple the found. Oh, you're catching on. All right. Number three, send out the discipled. All right, you guys don't seem very enthusiastic about any of those, but I pray that by the time we're done today, that's going to be how it is, all right? Win the lost, disciple the found, send out the disciple. Now, I am not saying this morning that that is all we are or all we do, all right? This is, however, our baseline. This is our foundation, it is our starting point from which we continually build and grow according to the word of God and the indwelling empowerment of the Holy Spirit that is living in us and leading us into what is holy and acceptable unto God. Not holy and acceptable unto ourselves, not holy and acceptable to what is, uh, you know, good for Just Life Christian Center. How many knows what we're doing is trying to please our heavenly Father? And so to please him, we have to do things his way and not our own way. Amen? Now, kind of with that in mind, I felt the Lord just leading me to highlight one of those core objectives this morning. And it is the the core objective of discipling the found. Again, in keeping with simplicity, discipleship is a process. Everybody say process. It is a process in which uh, a follower of Christ consistently deliberately and progressively learns the doctrines of Scripture and the lifestyle that they require, the teachings and instructions, how to actually apply them. How many knows that it can't just be knowledge? Because how many knows just knowledge doesn't bring transformation? It's knowledge with application that helps bring that process of growth and transformation. So we need to make sure that we're... um, in that discipleship process at a personal level this morning. If you're married, you need to make sure that you and your spouse are discipling each other. There are many times in my life that when I need something, God has sent me a helpmate and she is an amazing helpmate and she helps disciple this old goat. How many are thankful that God gave you somebody to help you out? If you don't have that, we'll pray for it, all right? But how many knows if you don't have that in a spouse, you can have that in a mentor or an accountability partner this morning? And how many knows we all need to have those? Even though I have a wonderful, beautiful spouse, and it seems like I'm laying that on real thick this morning, I'm not trying to, but if it's working, I won't leave it, you know. But, uh, but beyond that, I have men and women in my life that mentor me and hold me accountable and help me in my discipleship process because I'm not done yet. You see where this is going? There's multiple levels of this. It should be happening in our families, with our children, our grandchildren, with our friend circles, all right, with our work groups. And how many of us, we do have this thing called Sunday school, but we're jacking y'all up with it right now, and we're doing it on Wednesday night. So we have Sunday, Wednesday night school. That's a wonderful time to be discipled, All right. You see, once we have surrendered our life to God through confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we begin or we should begin in this process of discipleship where we begin to glean and receive revelation and instruction, direction from God's word and our corresponding responsibilities thereof. How many knows that there are action steps that we need to take? Oh, Pastor John, we just went through this one worship, this worship service where you're not there, and now you're going to bring us down with responsibilities. Yes. Yes, I am. Because I believe what the Lord did was he prepared all of our hearts this morning to receive his word. Amen? You see, we need to be in those moments where we're gleaning receiving because what it's all about is learning the necessary steps of follow-through so that we can appropriately apply God's word to our daily life but also so that we can help apply God's word. Everybody say God's word. All right, not our theories, not our doctrines, God's word. Let's say that again, God's word. All right, to our life and to other people's lives. You see, once we become a Christ follower, the process of discipleship should never stop. Once you say Jesus Thank you for washing me clean, for giving me. Thank you for giving your life. Thank you for raising from the dead. Thank you for preparing eternity for me. Once you enter into that covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, your process of discipleship should never stop until you get to see him face to face and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So this morning, if we're here physically in this building or anywhere else on the face of this earth with breath in our bodies, the process of discipleship should not stop. There are always new things to glean from God's word, amen. How many have ever read a scripture 473 times, and on that 474th time, you're like, whoa, why? because there's always something new to discover with God, right? There's always something deeper, a, a bigger, a, a more, uh, I don't know, just some, some amazing understanding that we have never uh, gotten a hold of before. Wednesday night, we were in the middle of, of class last week and Alex said, well, I felt like the Lord just dropped me a nugget. Anybody ever feel like the Lord drops you a nugget? All right, thank you, Father, that at least you do it for me and Alex. You see, this morning, we need to understand that there's always more to discover about our Heavenly Father and who we are in him and what his plans are for us. Amen. One of the things that I love most about discipleship is that it can happen anywhere and at any time. Anybody ever been in a really weird place and all of a sudden it's like this discipleship moment? You see, I love it because it doesn't have to be scheduled. It doesn't have to be in a church building or in a classroom structure, if you will. It doesn't even really have to be structured to a particular lesson plan at all. It just needs to be led and inspired by the Holy Spirit and then received by the one being taught. But as I said that, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, we also receive by teaching. Anybody ever found greater revelation through having to teach another? Sometimes you're going through that thing and it's hard and it's rough, and then all of a sudden God says, No, I need you to disciple somebody through this very process. And you're going, No, I'm unqualified. But then He goes, Oh, no, here you go. And you're like, Oh, well, wow. You see, we need to understand this morning that it's about receiving and it's about teaching. And at some point through the discipleship process, you should be receiving. But there's also a point in the discipleship process where you should be the one teaching instructing, delivering, depositing something into someone else's life. Now, that doesn't mean that we should not schedule these times. In fact, we intentionally create time and space in this very building every single Sunday morning, just like we're doing now, and every Wednesday night as we draw from the Word of God and specific lessons centered on the truth of God's Word as we are Spirit-inspired and Spirit-led. So please don't misunderstand me. Discipleship is not willy-nilly and just all over the place all right it can happen that way but it also happens very structured and intentional remember we want to do what we do intentionally relationally and missionally so it doesn't happen by accident it does happen definitely on purpose discipleship should be intentionally structured in your life in your home in the areas of ministry that God has appointed you over, in the harvest fields that he has given you. But it should also be instantaneously spontaneous. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Yes. Again, if you're walking through Walmart and God stops you and says, this is the moment, you need to, in that spontaneous moment, be able to either receive what God has for you or deposit what God has put in you into someone else. So whether it's structured or spontaneous, We're in the process. Somebody say, I'm in the process. process. Our responsibility is to be able to discern both, again, the structured and the spontaneous, as well as everything in between, and then apply that knowledge gained to our lives to the very best of our ability in those moments and in those seasons. But if we aren't careful, we can unintentionally put limits and or restrictions on the discipleship process. And in doing so, we need to understand that if we begin to limit the way that the Holy Spirit moves or the way that he speaks or the way that he wants to do something, we may miss out. But the greater in that is that it might not just be that we miss out, it's that someone else might miss out. Someone else might miss that divine inspired moment of spiritual growth or understanding or inspiration, encouragement, breakthrough, whatever it may be at that time. And I don't know about you, but I personally don't want to miss those moments. I don't want my spouse to miss those moments. I don't want my children to miss those moments. I don't want any of you to miss those moments this morning. And I sure enough don't want that perfect stranger in Walmart to miss what God had for them because I was reluctant in the discipleship process. You see, we can often manage ourselves to a fair degree. How many feels like you take care of you pretty good? Man, the altars are going to be full this morning. Get the oil. (laughs) You know I love you guys, right? Well, that wasn't very strong either. Well, we'll work on that. I'm in deeper than I thought I was. We often get to that place where we feel like we're managing us pretty well. But that time when you start adding in others, (laughs) how many knows when you add in others, things become a little bit more difficult and can even get somewhat squirrely. Yet how many knows today that the fact doesn't change that Jesus Christ commanded us as Christ followers to go, therefore, and make disciples. He didn't say do it if it's easy. He didn't say do it if it was convenient. He just said go, therefore, and make disciples. With discipleship casting such a wide net this morning, I wondered kind of where the Lord would lead us and focus our attention this morning, only for him to bring me right back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. Didn't think that's where I would end up this morning, but I believe that is where the Lord has led me. So I want to read that with you again this morning as we read it last week. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And last week, we did focus just on those three words, admonish the idle, and how what that really represents is the fact that we need to be instructing or helping with, with gentle words. People who are not battle-ready uh, or in battle formation, we need to, we need to admonish them to get battle ready we need to admonish them to be in battle formation and so again i believe that that is a part of discipleship but i felt like the lord moved me to the rest of that scripture where it says encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak so how exactly do we encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak Well, I believe that we start by first understanding the intention of these phrases of instruction. So when we look at encourage the faint-hearted, we're urged to basically speak kindly. How many knows there seems to be a shortage of that today? We're to speak kindly, soothingly, to bring comfort to the hearer. How many knows it is not our job to bring condemnation or conviction? That is the Holy Spirit's job. That is the word of God, not us. We are to speak kindly, soothingly, to bring comfort to the hearer. It is acting with sympathetic encouragement that helps calm, comfort, and bring cheer to those who are in need of such things. It denotes drawing close to someone and in that moment, adding a personal touch to those who are faint-hearted. It's not doing this like blanket thing it's saying you become personally involved. How many knows to get personally involved, you have to get a little close. Now today we're supposed to still stay six feet apart. And so I'm going to say that that's our buffer. <laughs> but how many knows at six feet apart, you can still add a personal touch to life. Amen? And so we need to understand this morning that we're to get in close with those who are faint-hearted and add something that is genuine into their life from ours. Because what that word faint-hearted means is it means that basically they have little to no courage. They're fretful or filled with worry. And basically they're, tr- they're basically kind of um, wavering between what is lawful and unlawful, so to speak. They're struggling in their newfound faith and they're not sure because the old is still trying to pull them back and the new is being recreated. And so again, how many knows that, that that's a process we all go through we are recreated, but in our recreation, how many notice the physical body has not yet been redeemed? And so we struggle. And so sometimes what we need to understand is that this word faint hearted, it really kind of describes somebody who is an undeveloped soul. And a lot of times we want to place that solely on the new convert. And rightly so. But how many know sometimes even those of us who may be veterans of the faith can have an undeveloped portion of our soul that we have yet to really surrender and give God control over. And we struggle. And instead of becoming involved in that discipleship process that will begin to draw that out of us, we draw away from that and we close that off. And we say, no, that's off limits. But I mean, that's not God's will this morning. Whether you're the new convert or veteran of faith, Again, we're to encourage the faint-hearted, and we're to help the weak. And again, this calls us to become an element of support to others by giving aid and expressing care. How many of you know you can serve a sandwich, but you can serve a sandwich, and you can have a look on your face that says, I don't care? i mean, go to McDonald's, go to Burger King. I don't care. Go, to, go to just about anywhere. How many knows you can try to do something good, but if care is not involved, it kind of makes the first part seem, eh. You see, we're to be that support by giving aid and expressing care to those who are struggling. Again, they're they're in that position of doubt, hesitation. They're vacillating in their faith. They're struggling. And so God says, no, come up beside them. Undergird them. Be that support that they need. For us to be a proper source of encouragement and support, we need to go just, I think, a little deeper and discover what discipleship of this nature that we find here in these phrases is and what it is not. So again, this is not going to be an inclusive list by any measure, but just simply a few scriptures of that support Uh, I think the context of what we find in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 14, that the Holy Spirit just simply kind of brought to my attention this week to give us a wonderful place to start. So if you're not sure where to start, I want you to make sure that you note these scriptures. And this is going to be our starting place in this this area of discipleship. I want to begin with you in Romans chapter 14 and verse 1. It says, Offer an open hand of fellowship, To welcome every true believer, even though their faith may be weak and immature, and refuse to engage in debates with them concerning nothing more than opinions. Again, let me stress before we move on that what we are to disciple others in is never our opinion, it is only God's word. Amen? When we start giving opinions, things start being bad discipleship is open fellowship everybody say that with me open fellowship one more time open fellowship it is not an open debate okay the process of discipleship should be one that is welcoming that is inclusive but we don't draw people in to debate with them and give them our opinion all right. To welcome is to take into friendship, to grant someone access to your heart, to take a strong personal interest in their life, just like we saw in First Thessalonians five and 14. It's not just a matter of making yourself kind of present. It's positioning yourselves to where we can speak into other people's lives. You see, but on the other hand, debating opinions, if that's the route that we take, that only creates confusion and prolonged spiritual growth, not just in maybe the new convert, but if you're only debating, you're probably delaying your own spiritual growth. And what happens is it weakens our relationships with one another. And how many knows God has called us to be united and to be a body that is fit jointly together? Amen? Not debatedly together. The next thing that the Lord brought me to was Romans 15 and one. It says, we who are strong in our convictions and of robust faith ought to bear with the failings and the frailties and the tender scruples of the weak. We ought to help carry the doubts and qualms of others and not to please ourselves. And again, I know you're thinking, wow, this is the message for today. Yes, it is. You see, discipleship is patiently embracing immaturity. Discipleship is patiently embracing immaturity, whether that's someone else's or your own this morning. Can I tell you that I am still immature in certain particular areas of my spiritual walk? And those mentors and accountability partners, my wife, they have to guide me in that process sometimes, and they have to deal with my, my failings, my frailties, my scruples. If you don't know what a scruple is, Google it. Because I didn't put it in my notes and I forgot. (laughs) You see, discipleship is patiently embracing immaturity. Discipleship is not pleasing ourselves. How many know that we have to remove ourselves from the discipleship process in way of what we like? How many know sometimes the word of God is hard? Do you just naturally pick it up and you're like, oh, man, that feels so good to my flesh? How many know sometimes the word of God is like sandpaper to our spirit, to our flesh? And so what happens is we have to get to that place where we're willing for those things to work on us and to to kind of knock off the rough edges, if you will. You see, we are to bear patiently. We're to... Patiently endure. Everybody say patiently endure. You see, to patiently endure is to understand that discipleship, sanctification, transformation, that those things are all a continual process that not only are we are we in, but that others are in. And in that process, how many knows we and others will make mistakes? We will fall. But you see, in those moments, we, uh, we will need to respond with encouragement as we patiently endure, just as many others uh, have done and maybe continue to do for us in our lives. Again, I'm thankful for the people in my life that patiently endure my spiritual immaturities. You see, we tend to lose patience when we focus more on ourselves than we do others, don't we? When things become selfish, That's when we really begin to lose true sight of what other people around us need. But here, we're encouraged to deny our own opinions. We're encouraged to deny our own desires and preferences, all in consideration of others who may be in some form of need and or weak in their faith. How many knows when somebody is spiritually struggling, the last thing they need is our opinion? How many know the first thing they need is the word of God? Amen? Amen. Romans 15 and 2 says this, let each one of us make it a practice to please make happy his neighbor for his good and for his true welfare, to edify him. Everybody say edify. edify. To edify him, to strengthen him and build him up spiritually. Discipleship always builds up and it never tears down. Discipleship always builds up and it never tears down. Edification should be constructive, not destructive. How many knows that you can give correction without destruction? <laughs> we can give correction without destruction. We can give it again without placing condemnation and guilt and conviction of our own making upon a heart and life. Again, how many knows that when you're down, you know you're down. You don't need to be reminded that you're down and you made a mistake and you're filthy and you're rotten and that the Lord's disappointed in you. How many knows what we need is to understand then that God still loves us and that he always has loved us and his love for us will never change. And so we have to be careful in those moments that we we don't, how many of us we're called to speak the truth in love, not, not speak the truth in love with a shove? <laughs> we're like, whoo, the Lord loves you, but you're a failure. We have to make sure that what we're doing is not destructive. And again, correction can come without using that type of language. You see, it is the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. The way that we need to view this, the way that we need to see how we are to build up and edify is that it needs to constantly be able to feed somebody to help them grow. If what's going to come out of your mouth isn't going to help somebody grow closer to the Lord, don't open your mouth. I don't think I need to say that again. I think that hit pretty hard. You see, in fact, this very thing that they're referring to in in verse 2 here, it relates directly back to Romans chapter 14 in verse 13. That tells us, stop being critical in condemning of other believers, but instead determine to never deliberately cause a brother or sister to stumble and fall because of your actions. How many knows that our words, our actions do have consequences? They will bear fruit. And so let's make sure that in this process, we're always building up and we're never tearing down. My mom used to tell me, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Good, nice, edifying, whatever the first word may be. If it's not there, and if it's not God's word, let's keep our mouths shut. Amen? Galatians 6.1. And I promise this is my last point. Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also." We need to understand that part of the discipleship process is that discipleship brings restoration, not reproach. Discipleship brings restoration, not reproach. We, again, all fall at times. We all miss the mark. Sometimes it's intentionally because of spiritual immaturities that we're battling, and at other times it's completely unintentional. It's just one of those moments of life that happens. But what we need to remember is that we are always to give what we ourselves would expect to receive in those moments of failure. We need to be able to give grace and to give mercy and love and forgiveness and understanding. We need to be able to give friendship. And we need to begin to start that process of restoration for those individuals. Because how many are glad that somebody along the way for us Did that. They showed us grace, mercy, love, forgiveness, compassion, whatever it was that we needed. You see, reproach only expresses disappointment and displeasure, but restoration speaks life. It speaks healing. It speaks strength, and it brings us back into fellowship with God and fellowship with each other. How many knows that's what we need today? That's what we need in our homes. That's what we need in our neighborhoods and communities. That's what we need all across this country and across this world today. If you would stand with me this morning. Discipleship is all about continual growth and discovery. Continual growth and continual discovery. The other day, Shannon and I were, I think we were driving somewhere and a song came on, or we were, the kids were singing a song, I can't remember exactly how it went, but it was, it was, it was that song, um, you keep on getting better. He keeps on getting better. And, and Shannon was like, you know, how can he keep getting better if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? And I thought, well, that's a good question. We should ask somebody smarter than us. And then I thought, no. I said, what happens is we keep discovering something new. He doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we keep discovering a little bit more of that greatness, a little bit more of that goodness, that faithfulness in who he is. Amen? So we have to understand that there should be a continual process of growth and discovery we must continue to grow individually. We must help others continue to grow. The responsibility of discipleship rests upon each Christ follower just as much as it rests upon the collective body of Christ. So let's be faithful to that process. Faithful to be A good disciple, faithful to go and make disciples, faithful to encourage and support others along the way, faithful to discern the moments and opportunities that God gives us, faithful to open fellowship that will welcome others and make them feel included and cared about, faithful to be patient as we endure the immaturities that may be surrounding us, faithful to build others up and edify them, and faithful to restore those who need restoration. You see, we need to live in discipleship. We need to grow in discipleship. And we need to serve in discipleship this morning, amen? Who has God placed in your life? Who has God placed under your care, in your harvest field? Your spouse, children, grandchildren, neighbor, friends, coworkers? Who is it that God has placed in your life that you need to step up and help disciple? Or just start doing a little bit more than what you're doing now. Maybe you are discipling your family. Let's just take it a step above where we're at today. You see, if you're not sure, this morning I want you to pray about it. I want you to take a moment this morning and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal and make clear the people, the places, and the opportunities. It's that simple. Just say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the people, the places, and the opportunities so that I might not fail in those moments. And again, don't just pray about the moments that you're to teach. Pray about the moments that you're also to receive. Because I can tell you that to this very day, God has taught me some very amazing lessons. He's revealed more of his nature and his word to me in some of the most oddest of conversations. And can I tell you, sometimes those people were younger than me. What? How many knows God can speak to a young heart the way that he can speak to a middle-aged heart? The same way he can speak to a slightly older heart or a nearly dead heart. How many are thankful that God is no respecter of persons this morning? So let us not be either. So when it's our time to teach, let's be faithful to teach. When it's our time to learn, let's be faithful to learn this morning. Father, I thank you today God, I thank you for your power and your presence that has undeniably been here with us today. God, I thank you for preparing our hearts for this word. And God, I thank you this morning that we are going to elevate our attention and our actions, God, inside of the process of discipleship for our lives for the lives that we are responsible for. Lord, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would just begin to make those things clear. And God, even even if maybe they're not completely clear right now, God, help us to be people of discernment so that, God, when we are walking through our day-to-day life, that in those moments, we would not miss that person, that place, God, that opportunity to simply pour out or be poured into God, because that is where we grow. That is where we discover. God, that is where hearts are one to Jesus Christ. That's where hearts are uh, more stabilized in their faith. God, that is where the labors for the harvest come from. God, is that process of discipleship. So God, help us to be good disciples and help us go and make disciples. In Jesus' name, morning if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I can't think
1: of a better moment
0: to come and to surrender your life to him this morning so if that's you and you feel the spirit drawing you this morning maybe it's something you understand maybe you don't understand it but you just know that you can't do what you've been doing by yourself anymore I want to encourage you to come and surrender your heart to the Lord this morning Maybe this morning you just need prayer of agreement for something that's transpiring in your life or in the life of a friend, a loved one. Let's come, let's pray and agree together. But this morning, if we do nothing else, let's take just a moment and let's make sure that we're in proper alignment, that we are in battle formation, that we're battle ready, and that we're willing to be teachable and that we're also willing to teach. this discipleship process. So I want to encourage you this morning just to find a place to pray and allow God to begin to amplify that, shift that, change that in your own life this morning. If you would, I want you to just find a place to pray this morning, whether it's at your seat.